Welcome to episode five of America Pod Two. It's your boy Alex Fabio, aka Monk Punk. Yo, what up? It's Maddie Stolpe, aka Maddie right, Stolpe. So, right before we started this, we started talking a little bit about uh, one of your songs, the Hawaiian sounding song or Hawaiian song topic song. And um, for those of you who don't know, Maddie has a project called Original Plus, where um, it's like a solo project, I suppose. Um, most of the songs are rooted in uh, the ukulele or baritone ukulele, and you bring some of them to full band, some of them are more stripped. Um, you don't have any music out except for um, one Baby. song on your Spotify, which you might have taken down, and Baby with Us. Yeah. So um, you're starting a whole new chapter with this. Really, it's like at the impetus now. So yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit about Original Plus? Um. I mean that it's just my band that I'm gonna start finally putting songs out as a vocalist and a songwriter, which is pretty crazy, because I've been like writing songs since I was probably like about 15, 14, 15. I'm 28 now. So you, I know when I first heard of Maddie the motherfucker Stolpe. Um, he was like 13 in a band called Soul Fedge Radio, who was like the big band in our local scene. Mm -hmm. And I thought you were the coolest motherfucker ever because we were the same age and you were like playing actual shows and mm -hmm. we were like basically toddlers in diapers as far as like uh, what a band is. Mm -hmm. um, so like I knew you as a drummer. I've always known you as a drummer. At what point did you start writing songs? Dude, you know, it's crazy. I mean, I just got lucky that like I had an older brother like like John Stolpe, Jonathan Francis is four years older than me. So like when he needed a drummer, I mean, I actually started Soul Fedge Radio with the lead singer, Marco. Did you really? Yeah. But, and then John, we like immediately asked John to play cause he just got kicked out of after the robbery, which was the, um, follow up to the shining, which was the band that Joey played bass in Joey Nestor from the moms played bass and that was like the first local band that i'd ever seen oh my god and they were so good dude they were amazing of like, course they were that ep was so good and they won the jersey shows battle of the bands and i i cut my hair into a mohawk to come down to starland ballroom and watch them i think at the semi-finals mm -hmm. i saw them with a the mohawk and i think i continued the mohawk like through that summer into fifth grade <clears throat> so young first year of school for me because i was homeschooled until then okay and, okay 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 and i Let's... showed up with a fucking mohawk <laughs> first off what a way to make an entrance secondly yeah. can we talk about that a little bit because i recently it's funny that you say that because um i was thinking the other day about homeschooling Mm -hmm. and I heard someone talk about home, how they homeschool their kids on a podcast or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they just like briefly uh, combed over it. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering to myself, like, man, that's got to be such a unique experience. Mm -hmm. And I totally forgot that you were homeschooled as a kid. Yeah. Um, and like I was thinking to myself, like it would probably be best to have like a blend, like maybe homeschool for a certain amount of time. Then you go to public school because you got to have that interaction. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, what was your experience being homeschooled like? Well, like, luckily my parents put me in a bunch of, like, recreational sports when I was, like, really little. And, like, they would also, like, take us to these, like, homeschooling groups. Like, I remember I had, like, a Spanish class that I did once a week with 
a bunch of other homeschooled kids in wow. in the area. And um, and we would also like go to like the library and like have like reading time mm-hmm. and shit. Like we also did gymnastics together. Really? Like during like the school day. Wow. Because it was like they were obviously they didn't have anybody like using the gymnastics gym. So it's like they probably got it for like cheap and shit. So was that like it's pretty an- good at handstands? <laughs> That's that explains a lot. Yeah. Um, so was that like an organized? like group that did that or yeah. was it just like a, a couple parents that kind of came together and were like, like hey, a, this would be cool it was like a pretty big group i mean no it was like i feel like it was like probably like six moms that like were like homeschooling their kids and like they all like i don't even know how the fuck they found each other though it's like right that's like interesting. the internet was like barely a thing yeah and I they mean, were maybe. all were they all local moms like it was like in the same town or a couple towns I don't, it was like, I, I don't even know mm-hmm. where these people were from. I feel like it was like pretty spread out and we all like yeah. kind of met in the middle. How many kids per town do you think are homeschooled? I have no idea. Yeah. I'm not. That's interesting. Know. So, okay. So I feel like those numbers may have gone up. I feel like they may have too because. Or maybe not actually. Maybe they've gone down. Well, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like it could go either way because I feel like, um, you're now hearing about most places are like two income homes, right? Well, two income families. I think a lot of people are looking at maybe at least like what are my options as far as schooling instead of just throwing them into whatever school is closest nowadays. Sure. Just because we're learning more and more that like maybe X Y Z public school might not be the best. Yeah, you know, and like then the uh, the alternative would be like a private school or a Catholic school, which is expensive as fuck. Yeah. And also, like, you may not want your kid being indoctrinated with a religious belief in school. So, like, homeschooling becomes a thought for those who have the lifestyle to be able to pull it off. So, yeah. um, I don't know. I think it's interesting because I don't have any fucking kids. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't know where I'm going to be when I do have kids. Um, and I think that's really interesting. So, what was, like, a day in the life for you being homeschooled? Um, so, my mom was also, like, a teacher. Like she is a teacher right now and like had been a teacher for like a few years, I guess. At before a she school? I th- wanna say at a Catholic school. Okay. Cool. And then she had my brother and I wanna say that he like went to like fucking preschool or something. Or kindergarten and then she homeschooled him. They were anti vaxxers. Respect. In the nineties. <laughs> Before it was cool. Well, that was that was like, like the OG. hipsters of anti-vaxxers. Yeah, yeah it was dude. the original anti-vax wow. movement. Yeah, that was why. And then my parents got divorced, and they were like, "Dad, nah, we're just gonna give you your vaccines and send you to school." <laughs> um, but a typical day was like, so my mom would just like order school books. I guess, like I don't know. Yeah, she did. I mean, that's what she did. She ordered, like, school books. Like, I had, like, a math book and, like, an English book, like, a grammar book and, like, a history book and, like, science book. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember, dude. Honestly, I, like, I didn't. Mean, yeah, you were so young. I, like, didn't do that much shit that I probably should have been doing that, like, people were doing in school. Like, like what? What do you think that you weren't doing that people were doing in school? Like, I remember getting to fifth grade and being like, what the fuck is social studies? 
It's like, I've never heard of that. I was terrified, dude. And it was my first period, too. Oh, my God. And I was just like, like, what are we even doing in this class? And then we get there, and he's, like, talking about, like, maps and, like, history and shit. And I'm like, I don't know any of this at all. So you didn't do much history in your homeschooling? No, not really. It's so interesting. I wonder how, like, a homeschooling parent would, like, come up with a curriculum, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It was, like, mostly, I mean, I was always good at math. So I kind of just like focused on that and like, dude, I was like, I didn't understand the concept of grammar, like whatsoever when she was first trying to teach it to me. And then one day it like just clicked and I like, I have like, I'm very robotic about my grammar now. Like I'm very like, I wouldn't, I don't want to use the word grammar Nazi, but (laughs) I'm very like into grammar like it's kind of i have like ocd a little bit about it that's cool i i like that because i'm also not a not a grammar nazi and i like the fluidity of language but i like language a lot so i can i can dig that yeah and then like i said we would like go to spanish class like once a week and stuff um and then like at i want to say around like third or fourth grade i realized that my parents were like checked out enough at that point where i could just like wake up hella early and then like say that I like did all of my schoolwork before they even woke up and they would just believe me and then I would just play video games all day. Dude, you hacked the system. Yeah, it was Way bad. To go. No, but it was bad though because it was like the last year right before I actually went to school. So I just like let myself get dumber for like a year and yep. then like went to school and I was like, fuck, I was so smart like two years ago. And now you're the dumb guy with um, a mohawk. No, I was like pretty, pretty badass. I was though. one of the smarter kids in yeah. my class for sure. Yeah. But. So, okay. So that's interesting. So then what, um, what was that first day of school like that you went to public school? I mean, I like knew most of the kids already from like so from sports, extracurricular shit, yeah. From sports and like my parents were like in this organization called the JCs. That was basically like a fucking like you know, it was like dad's excuse to like go drink beer with like the other dads in town and they would like raise money. Like they did like they do like a Christmas tree lot every year. You know, like the day after Thanksgiving, you gotta have, you gotta have that, dude. It was, it was dope. Yeah. Like, so I knew a bunch of kids from that and stuff. Like, yeah. So like, I knew like, like, yeah. It was just like a small town, so it's like it wasn't that hard to like know people. I feel like we also like went to church, and like, I was in like Sunday school growing up Mm -hmm. and stuff. So it's like I knew kids from that and stuff. What kind of church did you grow up going to? Catholic church. Catholic church? Yeah. What was that like? It was fine. It was boring as fuck. <laughs> yeah. I hated it. Yeah. But it wasn't like... I didn't get like touched or anything, you know? Was it really formal? Um, No. I mean like we would dress up for like Christmas Eve mass and shit. Like mm-hmm. Easter mass and shit like that. Yeah, the, uh, I grew up going to the Greek church, Greek Orthodox, and that's wild. It was very formal. It was like everyone wore their Sunday best. Yeah, I would wear like little suits. Right. You know. Yeah, it wasn't like that. Little bow ties church. and stuff like that. I think they would put me in like a fucking, you know, like a collared shirt or something. But right. Like, not like that. Not mm-hmm. suits and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be like suits, suits and dresses, suits and ties, um, suits and ties. What's up, guys? Pimps and whores. Pimps and the, whores. The OGs, Dan Martyr and Ryan Vargas, just walked in. Yes. <laughs> you don't even know. Is that the landlord? It's awesome. Maybe I shouldn't say that on mic. Yeah. 
Oops. <laughs> Ryan, you want to come say something to the to the microphone? Yeah, jump in here. I just want to say a little something, something into the microphone. Was ah, no, nothing. I have, I have nothing. I'm sorry. But uh, how are you feeling today? Feeling good. Feeling good. Cold day. And congrats on the release, guys. Thank you. Nice, dude. Six, 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 man. I'm gonna go back and uh, make more records. All right, see you. Bye, Ryan. Yeah, church was weird. Yeah, church was weird growing up. I remember the first. Um, I remember it being Sunday morning and uh, watching Dragon Ball Z early in the morning nice. before church, and I really didn't want to go to church. Oh, yeah. It was the worst, dude. Oh, God. I hated church. Oh, my God. It was horrible. But my church had coffee and donuts after mm-hmm. in the school gymnasium. Right. And it was fucking sick, dude. Coffee and donuts, you just can't beat. It is amazing. They I were love really donuts. good donuts. I'm, I only ate chocolate frosted donuts, not Boston cream filled. You don't like fuck that shit. Are you serious? I I can dig it now. They they put too much Boston cream in a Boston cream donut almost every single time. But I do fuck with Boston cream now. But at the time, no, <laughs> not at all. It was too exotic, too creamy, too jizzy for you, dude. I wasn't gay. <laughs> I am now only though. only gays like Boston cream donuts. That's probably why now I'm gay. I love Boston cream donuts. <laughs> I mean, I could just let that cream drip all over my <laughs> mouth. I'm a happy camper, dude. Yeah, it's pretty sick. Honestly. I'm a happy camper. Um, it's pretty hot. Yeah, it's very hot. Um, I did like jelly donuts though. I think similar but different. Similar but different. Similar but different. Yeah, I think maybe it was the consistency of the Boston cream donut that freaked me out. It was very jizzy. Quite. You know, jelly is a little less jizzy. Jesse is a little more um, Jelly, tight put together. Did you say Jesse? I don't. I hope not. I think you did. <laughs> well, Jesse's my favorite. Jelly's pretty Jesse. It's more glob globulous. Whoa, is that a, that's a word, right? I like. I'm gonna expand on that and go globulent. Glo- globulent. I think that might be a word. I'm not sure. I could go either way on it. I'm gonna see if I can get on the other side of the table so we can look at each other. I respect that. Still, Here, let me, let me help your cable. I think. I think I got it. I got it. We're good. He's a G, everyone. I just have to move this a little bit. I'm scared. Here, here try moving this box instead. Should I just go? Okay. That might be less, okay. less moving. I'm going to put that right there. You know what this. we're not doing that we said we would do? What are we doing? Film the episode. Oh, fuck. Film the episode. We're not should, filming the episode. Should we start filming? Let's do it on episode six. Okay. Yeah. I'm a put-off guy now. Yeah, I got in all aspects of my life. I've pretty much stopped putting things off, which is pretty good, except for, you know what? I'm just going to let this podcast be fun and loose because like at the same time, like, you know, we'll record the next one. Yeah, I don't know if we have like a proper tripod for a phone either right now. I mean, we have this little dinky fuck. I have one at home. I can bring that. Yeah, I have one, too. Um, And we could set up a phone at least just to... Yeah. Yeah. Dude, phone cameras are fucking sick these days. They're pretty good. And we could go vertical too because like no one wants to see a fucking horizontal video on the internet anymore unless you're like on YouTube. Yeah, but isn't that where like a podcast would live? Like on YouTube? Yeah. And then like if you want to do clips, we could just like cut like... Right. So then I guess it's just a matter of making sure the horizontal videos are centered on each on us. So you would almost need two. We could do that. You know I mean, what that, I mean? That would be ideal. I mean, we do have three phones. Right. So if we, we film could. ourselves. If we're each responsible for filming ourselves. Right. 
But I would want it. I would want like an overview shot, a wide shot, yeah, a wide shot <laughs> for the YouTubes, and then. But I was saying, like, if you shoot in 4K on your phone and do wide shot, you can just cut horizontal frames mm-hmm. and put that on Instagram. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And it could like, it could be like you're talking, so it's like a frame of you, and then like it jumps to me, and then I'm talking. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But would it go to the vertical format or would it just... I'm saying you can, like, edit that. Like right. You can like, so, like, zoom. <clears throat> like, I think we could use, like, um, what's that fucking shit called? Cap cut. That or, like... Splice. An actual, like, editing program, I'm saying. Right, 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 right. Who uses actual editing programs anymore? I don't know. I, I bought a whole new laptop so that I could try to edit the baby music video and, and then I got scared. And you still have nothing. I still have nothing. Um, I was actually thinking about that. I think I, um, that. I have a pretty good idea of what we could do with that if you wanted to do short form stuff with it, actually. Baby video? Yeah. Did you see the canvas that I put for baby? Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I think you could do that. I think you could simply crop the videos we have and put them in series. It looks like sync. really good. And like that shot that you took, like that's what I'm talking about is yes. like just taking a horizontal and or a vertical cutting that out. Yeah. Clip mm-hmm. out of the horizontal shots that we took. Right. So as for you're doing that, you're just going to need to have it pretty far away from you so that when you do zoom in, you're actually getting a decent shot in the frame. Yeah. Like when we shot those baby videos, I was very far away from you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which we can do. Yeah. We can do that. For the podcast. No, but it, it that that was one of the things that was kind of bumming me out when I was trying to edit the video. I was like looking at it and I was like, this song is so small and intimate and personal. It's like weird that like the camera is so far away from me all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was like fucking pissing me off. Yeah, I mean, I you, when it when like, making cool shots, when making that. anything though, like it's not even worth thinking about. I wish it was this. I wish it was yeah. that. It's just about bending it and creating something out of it. I mean, that's our, you saw what I did with the outside video. Yeah. That was from the horizontal videos that you and I took. Yeah. And it was not framed like that. It was not like that at all. But I was like, we need some kind of like vertical thing to push. And I did exactly what we were just saying, where you just zoom in and frame it to the, to the phone size Mm -hmm. and edited the fuck out of it to make it look intentional. Yeah. And it did. Yeah. No, that, that looks great. And I think you can do that too. I, I think if you if you apply that idea to the baby video as a whole, you could even do it in small sections. You could do a verse with three or four clips. Right. You could do a chorus with three or four clips and just do that. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's just a matter of using a visual thing to get people to listen to the music anyway. So like, right. who cares what format it is? Yeah. You know? Definitely. All right, let's get back on track with what we were talking about before. So you were homeschooled until fifth grade. Yeah, which is actually when I started playing the drums too. In fifth grade? Yeah. So you were what, 10 years old? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I got my drum set for my 10th birthday. Wow. Which was right before fifth grade, the April before the summer. And dude, you know, it was really weird that I didn't even realize how crazy this was until like the other day. I was like talking to my dad about it. And I was like, holy shit, bro. Dude, I got a drum set and like right at that same moment, like maybe like the following month, I want to say, my, the neighbor behind my house, her brother 
moved into her detached garage and turned it into a fucking drum studio. Like it was like a recording studio, quote unquote, but it was like, he was like giving drum lessons out of this detached garage behind my house. And it wasn't like he was there. And then like, I was like, I want a drum set. It was like, it happened at like the same time. Wow. How fucked up is that? That's amazing. And like at the time, you know, I'm 10. So like, I'm, I have no concept of like the world and how special that is. You know, I was just like, oh yeah, of course my drum teacher is right behind my house. <laughs> like what the fuck, dude? I know. How's like, I, what are the fucking odds? You know, I think there's no such thing as coincidences Yeah. and nature has a way of playing out the way it should. And, um, that is unbelievable. Yeah. And, but that's, that's, that's how things happen, honestly. And I think, um, it's really important for everyone to just continue on their path and just have faith as religious as that sounds going back to church. Mm-hmm. I don't mean it in a necessarily religious sense. If you need that to understand the concept of faith, sure. But like just a matter of like, you are here and you are playing a role in this greater scheme that none of us can see. Maybe at the end of your life, you can look back on your life like this beautiful mosaic where everything makes sense, but you're not going to get it. What's important is that you keep moving towards what is real to you mm-hmm. and like the realest shit that you can do. What feels the most animating to you? What feels the most, what makes you feel the most alive and honest? Mm-hmm. Um, I think some people maybe are oriented towards dark. Some people are oriented towards light. And I don't think that matters either. Dude, I, I started listening to um, The Daily Stoic with Ryan Holiday. Awesome. Do you know about that? I do. And I actually listened to a guy who reads Ryan Holiday's book the same way that Ryan Holiday does it, but he does his own. Wow. So he, he literally reads The Daily Stoic, goes day by day, and then he has his own color commentary on it. That's so funny. It's the same thing. But uh, he just ripped off Ryan Holiday, but yeah. I just found this guy first. Right. And he's really good. This yeah. guy this guy fucks. Yeah. Um I'm on day 186. Wow. I believe. You've been like watching every day. Wow. Well, I listen to it. I don't watch it. We've talked about this. I listen to podcasts right. pretty I much watch exclusively. Podcasts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exclusively. Unless I'm driving, then I only watch a little bit while I'm driving. Yeah, for me it's I it's my morning that. ritual. I wake up, um I'll chug a glass of water, I'll take Neo for a walk. Nice. And I'll listen to the Daily Stoic. That's what's up. I need to start doing shit like that. I mean, I've been working out a lot. You've been doing good, but tell me about your um, how you discovered this. Um, I mean, I had seen Ryan Holiday on the Joe Rogan Experience. I don't think I like watched this whole episode, but I like just you know I used to watch like a fuck ton of Joe Rogan. Not so much anymore, but still some like comedy podcast mostly. I mostly watch comedy podcasts now mm-hmm. because when I first got into Joe Rogan and like podcasts in general, I was watching like every Joe Rogan episode and yeah. a lot of them are very educational because he has like fucking experts on from like different fucking fields and like they talk about crazy shit and I was like just inundating myself with like so much information that I like needed to like shut down for a while. But I think I'm kind of back on that education kick a little bit. And, um, but anyway, the daily stoic, so cool. And he talks about this, um, um, concept or this like line from, uh, Marcus Aurelius. That's, uh, memento mori. I think it's Latin. I'm not sure. 
and it means remember death. So it's basically like saying like, like every day you should remember that you're going to die because hopefully if you remember that you're going to die every day, it will inspire you to like do the shit that's important to you. Like you were just saying, like follow your path, do what's important to you. Stop wasting your time with unimportant shit that like maybe you're doing for someone else or like for other reasons other than just like being the best you that you can be. And it's like, I don't know. I love that. It's amazing. Yeah. I think there's so much wisdom in the stoic philosophy Yeah, and like, I'm, it's really exciting to me actually that you're telling me this, that you dove into that. What, um, so is it the same where it's by day, like number one, number two, number three, number four? Well, so he sends out an email every day mm-hmm. and I definitely like have subscribed to it like in the past and just like didn't really. So you're kind of just follow. jumping in. I'm just like watching his like YouTube videos and cool. stuff. Like he'll have like short form, like 10 minute videos. And then there's like really long one, like hour long, two hour long ones. And the Memento Mori one is like an, a longer one. And I listened to like most of it and it was just like, it was blowing my mind. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm ingesting it in like little tidbits mm-hmm. where it'll be like, he'll read the quote from whoever said it. And then Ryan Holiday will have his thing. He's re- literally reading the book. Mm-hmm. So he'll, um, Ryan Holiday will have his color commentary and then this guy will have his color commentary. Mm-hmm. It's like a nice discussion yeah. after the whole thing, which is cool. And then it just gives me something to chew on the whole day. And the whole podcast is probably like between like usually around five minutes. So it's quick and it gives me something to chew on. Yeah. Something to um, think about. Think about and like fall back on throughout the day. Yeah. A lot of times it's super relevant stuff that has to do with day-to-day life, which is why I really like stoicism is that it's super tangible mm-hmm. and super like <laughs> real life action oriented, which is, which is cool. Yeah. Very relevant. Yeah, dude, that's what's up. And it's, it's really weird. I, um, I just got into it and like, I've been on like kind of a health kick. I've been like losing my fucking mind because been obsessed with this girl for the past two months reference back to episode uh four four we talked a bunch about it maybe i should said some things that i maybe shouldn't have i don't know i don't remember but we'll see when i edit it a little heated that day (laughs) but i'm doing better now but um yeah me and this kid chris that i work with um like you know he is also heartbroken and like we got together and we're like we're just going to get fucking jacked <laughs> and like go to the gym every day and just fucking fight the pain with like lifting weights basically. And it honestly, like for a whole month, it was like the only thing that I looked forward to every day. Like I would like wake up hella early, like six o'clock in the morning, go to the gym for like two, three hours, get fucking yoked. And I felt so good that whole time, probably because I was on pre-workout and I was listening to songs like hot girl bummer <laughs> by black bear. And, and also straight from the path, shout out straight from the path. Craig Reynolds is a beast of a drummer and drew is a fucking amazing. They're all amazing. Whatever. Tom, <laughs> I don't know any of these people yet, but I will. <laughs> I'm going to meet them. Hell yeah, dude. Um, but uh, what the fuck was I saying? Yeah, so like me and him been working out, blah, 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 two months. Started getting into the Daily Stoic. Stumbled upon the Memento Mori episode. He has coins that he sells, like gold coins or like I don't know if they're gold or whatever the fuck they're made of. 
but uh, they say memento mori on them. And then the other side says like some other quote, some other Marcus Aurelius stoic quote or some shit. But I ordered two of them, <clears throat> one for me and one for this kid, Chris, that's been getting me working out and stuff. Cause like, that's like kind of the vibe is like, we need to like get our fucking shit together. We need to stop like letting like whether or not like letting another person have so much power over our emotions, you know, and, um, kind of like try to take the, con the little control that we do have in our lives back, you know? And, uh, so I just thought that he would fuck with it. And then I showed him the podcast. I haven't told him that I got him a coin yet because I showed him just the podcast Memento Mori. And he was like, dude, that's, that's my tattoo. He had just gotten Memento Mori tattooed on his rib cage like a couple months ago, like right as like right around the time we started working out. What? So weird. Wow. And I like it, you know, it, it, it didn't mean anything to me at the time. So I obviously didn't register. Pretty crazy, right? Dude, that's insane. Yeah. So that's I think, insane. I think he's going to be pretty stoked about the coin. I'm sure he will be. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. How, what did, what did it feel like when you realized that he just got that tattoo? It was, is wild. I mean, dude, that, I feel like shit like that has been happening in my life so much, mm -hmm. which is funny that I brought up the, the, the fact that, um, my drum teacher moved in behind me right as I got a drum set. Right. Like that was like a huge moment of like synchronicity in my life. And like, I, I feel like I always have things like that. Like I always notice these weird, like little synchronicity things mm -hmm. going on. Like for instance, when I played, uh, when I filled in for family dinner last, a couple of weeks ago, whatever the fuck, um, where like I had just gotten into stray from the path when I started working out uh, because I saw Craig Reynolds podcasts fucking ad pop up and it was like a video of him playing, I believe fortune teller. And it's like a sick video of, I think them playing at like Hellfest or something. And I was like, yo, this dude rips. I clicked on it, realized he had a podcast, checked it out. He's like hilarious too. So I started watching his podcast. I started listening straight from the path. <clears throat> Fast forward like a month. I'm, like living with Nick Amalfitano, shout out my fellow sauce monkey out in Long Island. Uh, I lived with him for like three days and learned all the family dinner songs or like the ones in the set. And we played Webster Hall. And like the second day of rehearsal, we like sh just showed up. We're like, you know, fucking around, like talking about to rehearse. This dude walks in from outside with like a camera. And I thought maybe he was like their photographer friend that like wanted to come hang out and like shoot the rehearsal or some shit. Right. And they're like joking around him and Nick. And then he starts saying like, Oh, like, yeah, we'll do like a collaboration. Like we'll call it stray from the dinner. And I go, hold up. What the fuck did you just say? And he was like, Oh, you know, that band stray from the path. This is the singer. And I was like, dude, no fucking way. Bro, I was like, I just started listening to your band. I've been working out to your music, trying to get over my fucking ex-girlfriend. I cannot believe you're standing in front of me right now. And I was like, can I give you a hug? And he was like, yeah, dude, sure. <laughs> I gave him a hug. So fucking mind-blowing that that happened, dude. It was so weird. Dude, 
like I said, I don't think there's any such thing as coincidences. And I feel like um, all of us have a certain frequency that we should be living at, right? Whatever that means. And like, I find that like when I'm in tune with that thing, when I'm resonating with that frequency, it's like, it's like waves, right? It's like sound waves. And like, um, when you're in the pocket, so to speak, of like living at that tempo, at that frequency, I feel like those synchronicities just fucking pour in. Yeah. And like, it might have something to do with the fact that like, you started taking control of your own life and remembering what your frequency, your tempo even is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And like, there you go. So bringing it back to when you're 10 years old and you got your first drum kit, your neighbor started teaching drums a month later. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I want to say it was about a month. That's or crazy. Like it was like at the same time. That's insane. And I started taking lessons like that June. My birthday was in April. That's when crazy. I got the kit at the end of April. So what was it like when you started um, learning drums? Dude, it was wild because I got my, like, I've always been, like, really into music. Like, like when I was really young, I would just, like, dance to, like, NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and stuff, like, in my room. Like, me and my neighbor would make, like, fucking videos of us, like, dancing and shit. And, like, you know, like, Britney Spears and stuff. And um, I always had, like, a fascination with music, but it always just sounded, like, magical to me like I didn't understand what what was actually happening I was just listening to the music on like CD mm -hmm. on my boombox or like my fucking Walkman mm -hmm. you know but I didn't I'd never like gone to a show and like seen someone perform with like instruments even so when I got the drum set I didn't even know what like a simple rock beat was like I had no idea where to even start like I had a drum set and drumsticks and my brother actually like showed me a beat and it wasn't even like a beat. He was just like hitting the tom and then like hitting the snare drum. So it kind of acted like a bass drum snare drum pattern, but it, it was just like doom, 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 and he just went around the drums doing that. And then I started doing it. That was like the first thing I ever played on the drums. Wow. And it was just the toms and the snare. Wow. I, had, I had no concept of like, like I remember setting up the hi-hat stand for the first time being like, what the fuck is this thing, dude? Like it freaked me out because I was like, this is so complicated. I don't even understand what it's for. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that like a normal beat consisted of like a hi-hat, a snare drum and a bass drum. I have no fucking idea <laughs> at all. And I, I remember like my first lesson with the, my drum teacher, my dad was there, I think. And, um, and like the teacher was just like, well, first I just want to see if he like has rhythm. So he just like did like a clapping pattern and he asked me to like replicate it, you know? And so I obviously have rhythm. So it's like, that was fine. And then we started like doing pad work like reading notation and stuff which was amazing because like i'm so grateful that i like know how to read at least rhythm mm -hmm. you know i can like read rhythm very well and like i've taken like piano lessons and stuff and like i know like i know like the staves 
but like I can't like sight read yet, mm-hmm. but I would like to eventually. But yeah, just being able to like read that. And it was great because he had like a very basic understanding of it. And it was like just enough to like be able to like play, you know, like um, syncopation, like the book syncopation that like every drummer uses. That's like one of the first books that like everyone gets mm-hmm. a little blue and white book. And uh, um, yeah, so we did that. And then also he had like a sheet of like grooves that he like hand wrote and like photocopied and stuff. And so there was like a rock beat and then there was like a punk beat, quote unquote. There was like a jazz beat. Like there was like the thing and like a bunch of other shit. It was just like a bunch of like variations essentially on like a rock beat, but it was, you know, we were playing set and then he asked me to learn a song or like bring a song in and we'll like, he was going to like show me how to play it and stuff. And so I asked him to teach me how to play TNT by ACDC. Wow. That was the first song I <laughs> to play on the drums. Good tune. Yeah. How did, how did I uh, learn TNT go? Uh, it was pretty simple. There was like, there's like that one f- fill at the end of like the guitar solo where it goes, and like that was like a mind fuck for me at the time <laughs> you know i was like what is this dude you yep know? but the the most of the song i mean most of acdc's catalog is just so it's pretty like simple shit hell yeah but it rocks it fucks that's so sick it's all about that angus young you oh, man's a fucking legend mm-hmm. i remember learning a little acdc for the first time Highway to Hell, bro, so good. blew my mind. I was like, how do you go from that chord to that chord? Like, what? Dude, I love ACDC. They're so good. Shout out Australia. Honestly, it's funny because when I was like a teen, I was like, fuck ACDC. They're so boring and lame. And like, you know, like, because I kind of went backwards. Like, yeah, I liked ACDC a little bit from like Tony Hawk or something. Like TNT was mm-hmm. on Tony Hawk. Yeah, I think Pro Skater 4. I didn't have any like rock music in the house. So all my my experience of rock music came from like outside of the house or video games or like TV and movies and stuff like MTV. Yeah. So like classic rock and like older stuff like that, I didn't have until I was like older, except for Guns N' Roses. I had Guns N' Roses because my neighbor Brennan learned a uh, sweet child of mine on guitar and I was like, Oh, I have to learn sweet child of mine now. Mm-hmm. So I got into guns and roses and we would just jam out to guns and roses and like twisted sister together and stuff, yeah, you know, yeah. like some glam rock shit. Yeah. Um, but, I, and like I knew iron man, I knew like some, some staples, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, as far as like listening to those records, I didn't do that until I was like 18, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, I was like, oh, classic rock is lame, you know? What was, like, your first CD? My first CD was um, uh, Punk Goes Pop 2. First track was Alisana, and it had um, so many fucking good covers. I think Attack Attack did I Kissed a Girl. Oh, that that volume is amazing. So good. Dude, we used to listen to that in like the parking lot of the Starbucks that like John and all his friends worked at in the center of Florham Park like every night and like rip cigs yeah. <laughs> like after Starbucks that, was closed. That was the first CD I ever bought. <clears throat> Dude, 
that has Beautiful Girls by Bayside. Like yes, covered it does. By Bayside. Yes, it does. Has um, When I Grow Up covered oh, by Mayday Parade. So good. Um, Over My Head Cable Car covered by A Day to Remember. Oh my God, yeah. Attack, Attack, Did I Kiss the Girl. August Burns Red did Hit Me Baby One More Time. That was amazing. No, but you know what the best one is? Which one? <clears throat> um, fucking, fuck, who did it? I forget what the band is called. I want to say Static Lullaby did Toxic. Yeah, Black dude, you're right. That was the best cover. <clears throat> dude. That was insane. Dude, who knew that Britney Spears was so metal? It was so good, Until dude. Static Lullaby showed us all the way. Thanks, Static Lullaby. It was so fucking good. That was incredible. That was the first CD I ever bought, which is why That's I amazing. was really stoked, too, when, when AP2 signed with Revival, when mm-hmm. that was all happening, because that was the singer of Alessana's label. Mm-hmm. I was, and I told him on our first phone call, dude, the first CD I ever bought, you guys were track one. That's amazing. Yeah, that was a cool moment. There's also Love Song covered by... Um, Four Years Strong. Four Years Strong. That was, that was a really good one. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm like missing one. I'm missing like all of them right yeah. now. There were some that weren't but. so great. I remember, no offense, Silverstein, but your cover of Apologize kind of sounded just like the original version. I loved that, though. But it sounded like exactly the same. It was just kind of boring, I thought. I loved it. I love Silverstein. I love that cover so much. Silverstein played the first show that I ever went to at Starland Ballroom. It was Hawthorne Heights, uh, Silverstein, Bayside Acoustic, because their drummer had just died in like a car accident, I think. Like, like just before that holy shit yeah and and um <clears throat> aiden opened the show i remember aiden yeah. yeah yeah dude it was fucking wild it was right around um it was the silence and black and white tour fuck dude that's when, insane like, ohio's for lovers came out nikki fm nikki oh FM, my god silver bullet oh my god that record is so good i yeah. literally remember being 11 listening to that fucking record side by side with like eminem mm. yeah dude same. Oh my God. Exactly. What a time. Music was so wild. Yeah. It was just so quirky. Yeah. It was such a quirky time in music and mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah. it was so, there was so much nuance and like freedom and weirdness, which yeah. is why I think like Bamboozle did so well back yeah. then. Like I remember going to Bamboozle. That was, so my, my first show of all time was Tokyo Hotel. My sister brought me to that show. My dad came and she was a hardcore fangirl for Tokyo Hotel. I was like 12 years old. Um, we saw them in New York City. It was fucking awesome. They were great. But my second show, i.e. the first one that I like chose, was Bamboozle. Yeah. And the only reason why is because All Time Low was playing. Nice. And they were like the best band in the world to me in yeah. um, 2007 going into 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to Bamboozle 2008 and I got exposed to every fucking band yeah. in the scene all at once. <clears throat> yeah, I think... I think we're hopefully on our way back to a an era like that for music. Where I think so. I think we are. It feels like the sound is opening up a lot. Yeah, I and think people are getting really bored of watching four pop punk bands play on the same bill and like four fucking, you know, metalcore bands play on the same bill and like mm-hmm. all that stuff. Like it's just boring. It's like give me a fucking yeah. metalcore band, give me a punk band, give me like a fucking acoustic act. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hundred percent. Play with my emotions. Right. You know? Right, I think I feel something. I I loved that mm. scene so much because, of course, it was my first foray, so I'm always gonna be like drawn to it. But like, it was so weird, yeah. and it was so otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt 
okay to be my true weirdest self at 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 years old because those artists were fucking amazingly out there and their music was so fun and they were they were having a good time and like the whole thing like the whole atmosphere of the scene was just like it allowed us to be who we were and to me that became like one of the most important things about music over time as i started playing it was like first i wanted to like be in a cool band then i wanted to like tour and then i went to do all that but over time i realized like it's it, culture. It's just about having a good time. It's just about having a fucking good time and being yourself, expressing yourself to yeah. the most, yeah. you know? Yeah, dude. And that's, uh, that's something that I love about our new record, which Ryan mentioned, but we haven't said anything about, we dropped AP two LP two. Yep. America part two self-titled just three days ago. Yeah, dude. It's my favorite record I've ever been a part of. Yeah. Same. I'm going to be honest. Same. That's, that's an honor to hear from you actually, cause you've been on some sick records. I have. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for being a part of it. Actually, I mean, I haven't honestly been on that many records because I'm always the fucking replacement, dude. I am fucking um, Keanu Reeves in that football movie, <laughs> except the band version. Wow. I'm the quarterback, dude. I'm the fucking replacement quarterback wow. drummer boy. Wow. I did it with the fucking moms and doing it with you. I did it with Make War. Uh, probably do it again. I almost did it with Family Dinner. That's crazy. Rest in peace. Not just kidding. Family Dinner sick, but so the only band that you ever started with someone was Soulfish Radio. I think so. No, I also started Hurricane Season. I remember that band, yeah. which was in between Playground Beatdown, which I replaced the drummer in, uh, and then Hurricane Season in New Brunswick for like a year, and then I joined the Moms, mm-hmm. and then I joined Make War, mm-hmm. and now I joined America Part Two. So you and were. And then I'm going to start my own band. So right. I've started. This will be my third. Third time's the charm, motherfucker. There you go. Ah. I I really love that you were a part of this whole writing process from start to finish. You weren't just like you were new to the band too, and like mm-hmm. so. Maddie joined AP two as like for a tour, mm-hmm. and like obviously it's we one were of my hoping favorite bands Harbor with Harbor. Shout yep, out. Daddy. And, and obviously we were hoping that you would work out in the band, but like it, we weren't really focused on that at first. We were kind of like, let's get through this tour. We right. had just gone through a lot. We had just toured a lot. Um, and then we'll come home see what happens. And we came home and we started making a record together. Next thing we knew we had a full album that we made together. Yeah. And I'm really excited about that. How, how did it feel for you to kind of jump into the mix and then all of a sudden be a part of the record like that? I mean, we made a lot of songs too. We probably, we probably wrote like 20 songs. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was awesome. You guys scared the fucking shit out of me. Cause you like, you know, I like joined the band, which I was stoked on. And then you were like, yeah, we need to put out a new album. And I was like, for sure. <clears throat> and y'all were like, all right, let's book studio time. And I was like, okay, this was in November. They booked studio. They booked two weeks in December <laughs> and we had nothing written. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? <laughs> and then like, we were just like, we're going to make it happen. Dude, the last two weeks, I think of November, I came down to Red Bank from Morristown every single day. We would do a shot of tequila and drink like two beers. At least I would. He would always bring us Casamigos and Coronas. I was going through it, dude. I was like, like, you know, I was like separating. Maybe I shouldn't talk about that. 
<laughs> on the podcast yet. I don't know when this is going to come out. Whatever, dude. I'm a fucking mess in the romance department. But I'm getting I'm getting it back, dude. Hell yeah. I'm fucking com- I'm making a comeback. <laughs> motherfucker. Anyway, um yeah, but it was like crazy, but it Wait, was like speaking before we so move awesome. on. Let's definitely continue this cuz this is the most interesting thing that I've ever fucking talked about with anyone in the world. Um but speaking of beer, do you want to you want to split one of those giant beers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm a little hungover and a little gay right now. So I would love to split a beer with you. <laughs> we almost crossed streams and then we were going to cross streams before the, we started the pod. And then Ryan told us some of the weirdest shit we've ever heard of. I'm not going to repeat it on the podcast right now. No, we probably should, right? I mean, yeah, that's the interesting stuff. Okay, he was telling us about rave girls that suck milk and honey out of baby bottles to make their lips more plump. And like old guys are into it or something. That was literally like what he said to us. And we were about to, we were walking into cross streams and then he laid that on us. And then we got to the bathroom and we were both like, I don't think I want to cross streams anymore. I feel very uncomfortable right now. And so we decided not to cross streams. Um, but uh, yeah, I was going to say before that, before the Hawthorne Heights show, I believe that was like, that was like the winter of 2005 into six. And I had gone to Warp Tour 2005 with my brother and Marco Toriani or Tartaglia, depending on who you ask, um, <clears throat> who was the lead singer of Soulfedge Radio, um, and my dad. And we went to see Dropkick Murphys. They were like headlining. Yeah. They were basically like headlining, I guess, one of the main stages or like played last yeah i was just like talking into the void and i was like someone needs to react to this sorry it's cool I, stuff i went to take a piss it's okay by myself without crossing streams it's okay I, i'm i that's where i kind of left off mentally was that we were talking about crossing streams does that smell mm-hmm. i thought it smelled yeah what's that what's the like weird like plastic smell that is from here do you know what i'm talking about uh probably the burning vinyl yeah yeah is that that's what it tastes like it tastes like burnt vinyl. Could be the cup. Or maybe it's coming in through your nose, so you're tasting it. Yeah. I don't know. What was it? Uh, it's beer. I think it's not as intense as it was before. Maybe it's just I'm smelling the, the vinyl. I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, I got so used to it when I was working here that, like... Dude, I, I hate know. that smell. That, um... That's the, like... Yeah, the beer tastes fine, I think. Yeah. Okay, cool. They, I would drink it anyway, because I'm a fucking piece of shit. Same. But, um, I'm a horny beach trash. But, um, yeah, Make War had, like, a, a banner that we would hang, like, behind me mm-hmm. and shit. And it was, like, flame retardant. And it smelled like that. Right. And it, like, I remember, like, keeping it in, like, the merch bin. It made all the merch smell like that and shit. And it was fucking nasty. Yeah, it's like a heavy, heavy plastic smell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, I think want to say that we got it like right before yeah we got it like right before like fest or some shit and then the like following january february we uh 
did that European tour. Yeah, it was the end of February. We went to Europe, and it was just like I was getting so fucked up on that run because we were like all alcoholics and we were in Europe and shit. Yeah. And like COVID was about to happen. <laughs> and so I just remember like being like super hungover and like smelling that and just being like, right. So it triggers you a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so went to Warp Tour 2005. Let's go. At the age of 10. That's just early. started playing drums. Yeah. Wow. So my first CD was Ricky Martin. I didn't. <laughs> buy that though I just stole it from like my mom or something but I loved Ricky Martin funny enough Ricky Martin is Colombian oh shit I ended up marrying a Colombian woman right dude I have some weird thing with Colombia and I am half Colombian you're half Colombian the kid Chris that I've been working out with is from Colombia I told you this you know more Colombians than I know I really do I know a lot of Colombians dude I love, and Colombia is amazing. We have to go to Colombia. We do. I've never been. We have to play Colombia, dude. When I asked my dad, I'm like, hey, dad, would you ever go back to Colombia? He's like, no. Why? Your dad's weird, bro. He's got his own life. He's a weird guy. He's he's lived a life. Because, like, I get it. Like, you don't want to be a piece of shit Colombian. But, like, Colombia is sick. I don't think it's that he doesn't want to be a piece of shit Colombian necessarily. (laughs) I think it's that he has bad memories in Colombia. For sure. I mean, he, like. He, He grew up rough. Right. I mean, Colombia, I mean, is still rough. He grew up rough. His dad died when he was like three. His, yeah, he, he had a rough upbringing. Yeah. His, his older brother was my uncle. I don't know if I should say this on the pot either, but my uncle was an alcoholic Mm. and, um, and all honesty, his, his brain has been disintegrating for a long time. And it's, he's at the point now where like, you can kind of see the space in his eyes. If you know what I mean? Thousand Island stair kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Thousand Mile, sorry. Thousand Island dressing is so good. Um, but he, um, he's been drinking forever. And um, he Get would... wet brain. He, would, he got wet brain. And so back in, back in, in Colombia, um, my abuelita, who lived to 104, she just passed away a couple of years ago. Um, but she was a single mother. She was a nurse. She helped take care of some other kids in the in the neighborhood and stuff like that. Like they would all help each other out. Mm-hmm. So she had a lot on her plate, man. She had three kids, and he would come home whacked, right? And in order to deal with it, this is this is just a story that my aunt tells me, my dad's younger sister. Supposedly, my uncle Alberto would come home wasted, and my grandma, to deal with it, would knock him over the head with a two by four. So he would not, he would be knocked out. <laughs> Holy shit. And then just leave him there. And then my, my aunt Stella, his younger sister would bring him into the bathroom and wash him off and stuff like that. And that used to happen consistently. Wow. That was like the way that it was dealt with. God damn. So I met, I met your that dad was my dad's is, older brother. weird in an endearing way. I love your dad. Your dad's the For sure. fucking man. For sure. I yeah, just find cool. his aversion to Columbia a little strange. But no, I, I understand. Know. Like specifically, it was about that. I get. Yeah, 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 I get. Sure. I get that. That he has like trauma in Colombia and shit. But I think that's just what it is. So beautiful. Though. I think he it's just like, has trauma. That's all it is. Yeah. And he he like he like feels like he escaped from there. Yeah. And I feel like he maybe fears that if he goes back, it'll all come back to him, or he'll be stuck there. I don't know. Who God knows. Right. I can't get in his fucking brain. Right, He's right, been right, around right. fucking four times as long as I have. Right. 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 Anyway. Um, so yeah, Ricky Martin. And then, but like the first CDs I remember buying, I just 
my brother was like going to Best Buy or something with like my parents or some shit. And I just gave him money and was like, buy me CDs. And he came back with Make Believe by Weezer. Mm-hmm. By Reliant K. And um, The Warrior's Code by Dropkick Murphys. What a batch. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, my brother's a gangster, dude. He really is. Yeah. It's kind of cool having an older sibling, I will say, as a fellow younger sibling. Yeah. Um, I have an older sister who's two years older than me. You're nine months, technically. But like I said, she was in a Tokyo hotel, and she saw, like, Cobra Starship and, like, mm-hmm. Mindless Self-Indulgence. And mm-hmm. she was, like, into, like, weird scene shit, which yeah. was awesome. Um, like the millionaires and shit like that. You know what I mean? No. I don't know what that is. They were, yeah. Check them out. I know um, Tokyo hotels. Yeah. So and mind the self indulgent. Well, I know the name. Well, it was just it was just great because like having an older sibling, like she introduced me to all of it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and like just before that had happened, where my brother bought me those CDs, like my dad's brother um, was really really into music. Like used to like go to shows all the time and shit. Was really into like metal and then like punk and like and stuff. So like I remember my brother like downloaded my uncle's entire like CD collection onto like windows media player. Mm -hmm. And then like with like a bunch of just crazy shit, like the fucking Ramones and like Slipknot and like all this shit. And like up until that point, my parents had us listening to like Christian rock, like audio adrenaline and like, Switchfoot, which funny enough, I'm going to see Switchfoot on Wednesday. Let's go. I was supposed to go with my mom and my stepdad and Ben Petty, but um, <laughs> but my stepdad just got a new kidney, so they're like laying low and shit. So, right, are you going to come to that? Uh, I forgot that was Wednesday. Yeah, this, sure. This Wednesday. Yeah, I'll come. Let's fucking do it. Let's go. It's going to be sick. Thanks, at the Walmont dude. Theater. Oh, fuck yeah. We got to get Freddy to come. We do. If, if you can, because I have four tickets, and so that'd be you. Dude, that could be America Part 3, dude. This could be the inception of America Part 3. Yeah. Dude, Ben Petty would be such a sick addition. <laughs> Did I tell you that he texted me the other day? And what the fuck did he say? He was like, dude, I had a dream that I was in AP2 and we were playing like a Christian rock festival. That's what he said. I'm That's, pretty sure. That sounds like something we would do. Yeah. Let's do that. And I was like... I think that's what I said back to him. I was like, let's do that. <laughs> yes. That's great, dude. Yeah. That's so funny. But anyway, bringing ben, ben Petty to Switchfoot because when he was styling me, because he's the style master, um, we got, we're talking about music. And he was like, I actually like unironically love Christian rock right now. And I was like, okay. And like like Switchfoot and he was like yeah dude Switchfoot's sick and then my mom like randomly hit me up to go to see Switchfoot because we used to listen to them when I was little and uh, I I was like can I bring my friend Ben (laughs) (laughs) and uh, she was like yeah I guess and so she got him a ticket too Um, but it's funny because he's Jewish too so it's like really (laughs) fucking doesn't make any sense that he like is into Christian rock but Page with the Lions Christian rock I'd never really listened to Page of the Lion. Dude, Page of the Lion is so good. It's like some of the most fucked up, saddest shit you'll ever hear, though. Always so. heard of them, but I don't think I've ever actually listened to their songs. Yeah, it's really, really good. Damn. Um, that's one of Brett Romness's favorite bands. That's cool. Um, David David Bison or it's, some shit. It's interesting that you bring up like the other relative who showed you like heavier, more um, kind of like crazier music. Mm-hmm. Um, 
my is actually when I was younger, when I was eight years old. I was in Greece with my cousin Anastasi, who you know, Stas. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys met in uh, at Mercury Lounge that one night. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like a metalhead, mm-hmm. um, especially back in the day. And like I remember being eight years old. I go over there. He's five years older than me, so he must have been like thirteen or something. And like he put his earbuds in my ear and at full volume 10 on his iPod, you know, he scrolled it up all the way to 10. He puts on Slipknot followed by Slayer. And I was just fucking floored. It just mowed over me with just like full intensity. I couldn't hold still. My fucking eyes were falling out of my head. It was like, I couldn't believe what the fuck was happening. It just changed my entire world. Like, Oh my God. And so I remember going home, being like eight or nine years old and like looking up YouTube videos on like the family computer and like putting on like Slipknot. It's very Colombian of you. And like, and like my mom would be like, what the fuck is this? You know? Um, but, uh, dude, I was walking through Chia, Colombia a few years ago with my wife and, uh, saw my first internet cafe. And this is, (laughs) I was probably like 24 or something. It was like four years ago. Bro, I grew up in internet cafes in Europe. Dude. And literally homeboy was just watching live videos of Slipknot. So what you do outside of the US. So you go sick. on a literally. Internet, you go to an internet cafe, you watch live videos of Slipknot. Literally. That's what you do. It's what you do. It's fucking sick. Yeah, that's how my that's how my music started. So I always had a taste for heavy music. Yeah. But I've also always really liked like different heavy music. Yeah. Like for that reason, because yeah. Slipknot is so different and so beyond. Like to me, they're equal to Led Zeppelin as far as their contribution to rock music. Dude, Slipknot is amazing. It's unbelievable. Like yeah. Slayer didn't stick with me the same way. Mm-hmm. I thought they were really good, mm-hmm. but they were still kind of like a little too old school for me, I think, in yeah. their style, whereas Slipknot reinvented what heavy metal was. Yeah. And they had the horror aspect to it. I yeah. mean, it was fucking it's unbelievable. Incredible. Unbelievable. So I had that. Um, and then it's funny because on the other side of things, when I was getting into alternative music for myself, when I was like 11, 12, like I was just talking about, I went to Bamboozle for all time low. So I loved like really heavy music and mm-hmm. really poppy music. Mm-hmm, and, and I feel like that's always kind of stuck with me. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the, the artists that really stick out to me are the ones who are doing something original. Yeah. You know, like original and plus original plus and just good songwriting. Yeah. Good songs are good songs. I mean, so wrong. It's right. Is a perfect album. Yeah. It's a very perfect good. album. Just the same way that, um, Iowa by Slipknot is a perfect album. Right. You know? Yeah, dude. I was really into like, Atreyu and like metalcore shit like fucking As I Lay Dying Mm -hmm. before the dude tried to kill his wife or whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's fucked up. Yeah. Um, What else? And then like, you know, like A Day to Remember and shit. A Day to Remember was so fucking good. Dude, they're amazing. Dude, Homesick? Homesick. I'll listen back to Homesick now every once in a while. It does. It's fucking amazing. And like, I hate metalcore now, but like Homesick is like something else. Not to mention that came out in 2009, but like, Um, it was so ahead of its time and they didn't give a f- fuck. Dude. Like they yeah. were so unapologetically poppy and heavy yeah. in the same stroke. Yeah. Like no one could even fuck with them. Yeah. Everyone tried. Yeah. You know, uh, hardcore kids were like, I do remember gay. Yeah. And then like, uh, 
pop punk kids were like, uh, I don't know, bitching about shit. But at the same time, no, pop punk kids were like, Adair remembers heavy. You're right. <laughs> pop punk kids were like, yeah, I like heavy music too. Yeah, I like Adair remember. But like, you need bands like that to gateway you into the fucking scene. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like bands like yeah. that are so important. The crossover yeah. kind of bands, like, um, they build a bridge for so many new people to walk in. Yeah. And a day to remember fucking nailed it, dude. Dude, yeah. Not to mention Andrew Wade was really ahead of his time on the production on mm-hmm. that record. It was super digital yeah. and super like um, bass drops and like really hard low end and really digital kind of guitars and really tuned vocals and all that stuff, which at the time was like very much a scene thing. Um, like having that kind of like polished like like as a band, as a rock band, to have that polished of a pop style production was really a scene thing. Mm-hmm. Um, All Time Low is another great example of that. But like in like the greater rock world, on the other hand, you had like Foo Fighters and like shit like that, which was like very much rock and roll. Yeah. So like it was still like at the time, A Day to Remember was very pigeonholed in like the scene still, even though they had some breakout success. Yeah. Um, I mean, but it's funny the- because now every band has that style of production. Yeah. They were so ahead of their time. Except for us. Yeah. Because now it's uh, now we're going the other way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's come full circle now because now it's generic, yeah. if you will. And I'm not apologizing for that it's fucking generic for you to use the same plugins that were revolutionary in 2009 yeah dude that new family dinner record i was i was showing you before like i was just showing you on my phone but like i I want you to hear it like on speakers it sounds so fucking good dude brett destroyed that record it's like it's like one of the best sonic records i've heard in like so long i want to go back to barbershop sometime me too i love barbershop yeah um but yeah so i went to fucking warp tour in 2005 we walked in and my chemical romance was closing their set with helena oh and i was just like holy fucking shit in new jersey where my chemical romance is from this was actually in english town we're in English Town right now. Wow. Yeah. At Here the raceway. Are. Dude, the way that my That's Kim, the reason I know what English Town is. The way Mike Kim harnessed their power live was unfucking real back then, dude. Bro. They're amazing. They're one of the best. They fucking crush. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And then Midtown fucking toured with them like last year or whatever. It's so fucking crazy. Yeah, sick. And Pollyanna opened for Midtown at Starland. Yeah. The waves. Yeah, dude. The waves of New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> Rippling through time. <laughs> and then fucking Gaslight played with Misfits. Yeah. Dude, that's crazy. That's insane. Speaking of which, I'm opening for a fucking Gaslight Anthem the 27th and the 28th of October. Wild, crazy news that my brother hit me with like two fucking days ago and just got announced. I'm so excited for you guys. I can't wait for that show. Dude, I'm so hyped. <laughs> Bro, it's sold out. Put me on the guest list. I'll try. <laughs> I want you to be there. The opening band's drummer wants to throw uh, <clears throat> some names on the guest exactly, list. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like, fuck, dude. And in New Jersey yeah. for Gaslight, exactly. there's going to be 100 people on that list. Exactly. Yeah, so true. it's like, I don't know. Like, right now, priority is like my little sister and like my dad. Right. 
and like my mom, I don't think my mom's gonna come because she's like taking care of. Right, it's a family affair. This is like your brother's band, you and your brother. Yeah, and it's like we don't know if we have any guest list at all. Of course, you're you're next on the list though. Thanks, man. Yeah, (laughs) I'm so excited for you guys, man. Honestly, Gaslight is fucking huge, especially in New Jersey, and like for you guys to be playing the show as the only support band. Yeah, two days in a row. I mean, that's so special. Yeah, it's really cool. Very excited for this. Where's it at? White Eagle Hall in Jersey City. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. I've still never been there. Dude, it's a nice venue. Yeah. It's really cool. I've seen some packages go through there. I, I remember when it opened up, I was like, that's fucking awesome, but I still haven't been. Yeah, it's it's cool. I like that it's in Jersey City, too. It's kind of like a random spot that like didn't have any venues like that. That's exactly it. I just never go to Jersey City, so I like... But it's such a hub. Yeah. You know, there's so many people there and so many people that go hang there, so that's fucking great. Yeah. We need more venues in North Jersey, like more small venues, and tours need to fucking play New Jersey more. Fuck your radius clause. People that are going to come see you at Starland Ballroom are not driving to fucking Manhattan or taking the train to come see you. Dude, and nobody wants to fucking go to Philly. Philly sucks. Preach. Play New Jersey. I do love you Philly. fucking ass clowns. But it's completely I'm, different. Philly's growing up. You're me. making a point though. But like, I'm not driving two hours to go to Philly to see you. I don't want to take the fucking train to Manhattan to come see you. I will drive to Starland Ballroom. I'm your demographic that will watch you play at Starland Ballroom. There's like fucking half a million people in New Jersey. Play New Jersey. Dude, we're the most densely populated state in the country. Yeah. And what the fuck? Dude, you have House of Independence, 500 cap venue. Yeah. You have Asbury Lanes, 725 or something like that. You have the Stone Pony, 1,000 cap. You have Starland, 2,000 cap. 2,000. Yeah. Dude, like we have it all here. Yeah. Play our fucking state. Yeah. Fuck your radius clauses. Radius clauses are fucking stupid. Radius clauses are bullshit. As people who've been radius to buy the clauses, yeah. fuck radius clauses. Fuck radius clauses. Bro, like different people, different and fuck merch cuts. Different people are going to come to your fucking show. Yeah. Like give more people the opportunity to see the fucking show. Yeah. It's just agents up their own fucking ass. Promoters up their own fucking ass. Like, oh, I need to secure my fucking bag and make sure that this one show has no interference. Like, Like, guess what? Fuck you all. I'm not coming to Philly. Also, not to mention, let's talk about this now. This is something we've talked about in the past. Your fucking job wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the artist. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you're here talking about, like, like, I feel like artists, every single time, the the one to fucking have to be asked to kneel is the fucking artist. Yeah. But this whole industry exists because artists are making art and people want to come pay to see it. Yeah. So if it wasn't for the artists and the people, you all would be out of a fucking job. Well, you know what it is, though, too? Honestly, like, we can bitch and moan and bitch and moan, but I think it really comes down to artists standing up for themselves Mm -hmm. like how about we just say no right fuck you exactly actually i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let you do that to me we just pounded tour we just pounded off the mics that's really what it is dude 100 artists need to stop being fucking pussies yep and tell their fucking booking agents what's up tell the fucking promoters what the fuck is up tell the fucking venues to suck my fucking dick you're not taking a fucking merch cut i'm not gonna play your fucking venue I'll fucking, I'll, I'll set up a stage in a fucking park and play it before you take my fucking merch cut. Fuck you. 
Amen, dude. Make your money on your fucking liquor sales like you're supposed to. Right, exactly. Dude, you guys are making 100% of the fucking bar most of the time. Like, what do you need our fucking merch sales for? Yeah. Let's be real here. Dude, the markup on liquor is like 3,000%. Go fuck yourself. Right. You're welcome for bringing hundreds of people to your fucking bar. Yeah. You know, like, let's just work together. Why do you need to step into our fucking lane? Yeah. We all make our own money. Yeah. It's and always the artist. And it's we always the artist. And we don't make any money. I've never made money. Yeah. I've never made money. I've walked away from a tour one time with AP2 with like 300 bucks. We split up the last like 900 bucks or whatever amongst the three of us. But like, I probably spent more on the tour. Yeah. Like, it's not like I made money. No. You know what I mean? Like, I've never made money playing a band. Even even like mid-sized bands, like they don't make money. No. Well, that's the thing, man. There's no fucking money. Yeah. There's no fucking money. Yeah, they don't. They fucking, it's all just greedy fucking pieces of shit. There's literally, it's funny because the music industry is like a microcosm of like the greater global economy. Yeah. There's the 1% yeah. that has all the money yeah. and makes all the money. And those labels, let's say, own the records of their artists. And they also have stock in the streaming services that distribute the music and stream it to the fans. So they make money from both fucking ends. And the artist is left to make merch money on tour. The problem is, is that the only people who are going to make a, like a, a fuck ton of money as they fucking deserve are going to be magnificently fucking big artists. Yeah. Everyone else is fucked. Is fucked. Literally There's fucked. no money. I don't think I know anyone who makes money yeah. on music. Um, I did meet the drummer of Five Seconds of Summer. But you don't know him. No. But my wife knows him. That's pretty fucking cool. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Dude, five seconds of summer fox. I think I said this when we talked about them last time, but I'm going to say it on the pod now. I did a presentation in college about five seconds of summer. because did really? I did. Because I there was obviously this big contention about five sauce when they came out because yeah. they were like pop boys. Yeah. And the scene fucking hated them. Mm -hmm. And so like all my friends were like, fuck five seconds of summer. You know what I mean? And I actually did a presentation at college explaining why five seconds of summer is important and beneficial to the scene. I think you've talked to me. I totally did because I always bring it up because it's one of the most fucking hot takes that now has come full circle. And now people are like, oh yeah, I love five seconds of summer. No one likes five seconds of summer in the scene. Fangirls loved five seconds of summer and that's awesome. That's why they made money. But like that being said, I, I did the presentation because it's what we were talking about with the day to remember. They built a bridge and they, in interviews, they would say, yeah, we love Mayday Parade, all time low, the wonder years. Like those bands are awesome. And all of a sudden you had this mainstream audience checking out those bands. I think that's important because I think that we come from a scene of some of the most underrated art ever. A lot of it never sees the light of day. Yeah. And it's good shit. Yeah. Isn't that shit sad, dude? When you know about a fucking record that's like one of the best records of all time, like no one has ever heard it. Like, dude, I think like Born Without Bones is a good example. Born Without Bones is a great example. Born Without Bones... If they had the right, like, fucking, just, if they just, I don't know, I guess had more advertising money, like, they could be, like, 
a fucking gigantic band, dude. Yeah. Like, Scott is one of the fucking, like, great songwriters of our time. Yep. Like, he's fucking amazing, bro. Young at the Bend is low-key their best record. But honestly, that last one they put out, I want to say the record's called Dancer, is so good. Yeah, the like the main single was Dancer, but I'm pretty sure that's what the record is called. It's so good, dude. It's so fucking good. And dude, listening to it at the time was giving me such feels. And then I went to see the show with my girlfriend at the time, who's my ex that I'm all fucked up about right now. And I like recently revisited the record and it's given me the fucking feels again. It's so annoying, dude. Cause it's so fucking poignant and good. And just like on point, like he's just saying exactly what it feels like. And it just hurts in the best way. Yeah, I will totally agree. I think that Scott is one of the great songwriters of our fucking generation. Yeah, same as Mikey Pellegrino from Late Waves. And like, you know, they just dropped their self-titled record, which is hilarious. Literally like two weeks before us. Literally so fucking hilarious that we both put out our self-titled albums. I remember when I was talking touring to together. Yeah, because we did the tour together. And I remember talking to Matt and Shane from Dim about the uh, release plan that we were going to do. And he was like, all right, cool. Let's just try not to release on the same days as Late Waves so we can like spread the promo. And we're both doing our fucking self-titled albums at the same time with the same fucking timeline for the roll-up and stuff like that. Yeah, it's funny. So rad. I love them. Um, but like when you were saying like, like you know, music or art that is like underrated and goes unheard or seen, like, you know, I'm not going to say whatever. Hell to Pay, the record that Laywaves put out before their self-titled album, their first LP, fucking amazing one of my favorite records of all time yeah and like no one's ever fucking heard it dude right and it's like so weird it's a crime because when i was like little and like growing up in the scene i always was like well the music's just not good enough because if the music was really that good it would just blow up that's not how it fucking works though yeah you could literally write the best song of all time and no one could find out about it. Yeah. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Cause yeah. I do feel like there is a certain ceiling that like, if you don't have any support, it can just stop growing. It's all about who you know and how much money you have. You got to water the plant, man. Yeah. At a certain point, if you close the, 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 the plant in a fucking box, it'll die. It'll die. Yeah. And like, it'll just, you know, with music, it'll stay there forever. And that's great. And people will, remember it people will discover it again because it is so good and it'll always resonate with people but without exposing people to it they'll just never know yeah it's really crazy man and we're in a time too where like i was thinking about this the other day like um and it's something that for anyone listening like you tend to think about often when you're a musician is how much you're not making any fucking money (laughs) um like um you know, like I'm 28 years old. Like I would like to make some money. Mm-hmm. Like I would like to get married. I would yeah. like to buy a house. I would like to do those things. Start a family. I would like to start a family, but like it is really limiting when like you, like we came up on artists that had corporate backing. Yeah. That is something that does not exist in our world today. And I think the irony of 
the punk scene too and the pop punk scene specifically is that like a lot of people get into it from bands who are on major labels and bands who had million dollar record deals and you start a band and you want that yeah because you look up to those artists i was one of those people Mm -hmm. and you grind and you grind and you grind and there's something missing like something's not connecting for some reason you don't have that breakout debut album or you don't have that like insane fucking commercial growth and you're still making zero dollars and that's because those artists that you were looking up to had corporate backing and it's a beautiful fucked up irony of the alternative quote unquote music scene is that like those artists like Linkin Park going as far back as Nirvana and like all those artists like uh, Fallout Boy, Paramore, All Time Low, A Day to Remember, like these artists had corporate backing. They had tens of thousands of dollars in marketing, hundreds of thousands of dollars in tour support and recording budgets and uh, all kinds of like appearances on TV and it's just a different world for yeah, us dude. now. Remember fucking Fuse? Yeah. Fuse was like one of the best things for the fucking alternative. Music I don't think scene. I don't think the music has gotten worse at all. I think in fact like a lot of music has progressed as far as the rock world goes, especially in the past five years. And like yeah. like I do feel like at a certain point it got stale, but Yeah, for sure. But like now I feel like there's a lot of revolutionary stuff coming out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the twenties, the twenties shifted a lot. I feel like we're definitely on one right now, but like at what point does our world get invested in again and does it? I think so. I have hope. Cause I think that these artists deserve something. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean we, we and other people around us have sacrificed a long time. Yeah. Well, dude, it, it literally, it's up to us. Like, we are the resistance, right? Yes, we are. We are America part two. Yes, we We're are. We're the next generation. We are the ones that, like, by doing things like having these conversations and recording them and putting them out into the world are going to get other people having those conversations and we can make it a reality. It's like, Hey, we deserve to live comfortably with all the fucking hard work we've put in over the past two decades of creating art to just be consumed for free. Mm -hmm. Go fuck yourself, dude. I'm a fucking entertainer. I'm a good entertainer. I deserve to be compensated. Absolutely right. I'm about to pound him off mic again. It's funny that you say that. I think you're absolutely right. I think the ripples do happen. And I, I think that, uh, I, first off, I'm really grateful that we can have these conversations that we're already on episode five of this podcast because we're going to go to 500. And uh, I think uh, I was listening to a uh, Joe Rogan podcast, bringing him up again on the way here. And it's with some guy. Um, I'm going to reference his name because I don't want to be a doucher. Let's see what his name is. Because he was the one who was telling telling this story but he said that he saw the movie Oppenheimer and um, in the movie there's a conversation between Einstein and Oppenheimer I haven't seen the movie but he spoiled it for me so I'm going to spoil it for all you listening right now Um, I've also not seen it his name is Brian Murarescu Um, he was saying that they Einstein and Oppenheimer were having a conversation and 
they had done calculations about the atom bomb that the math showed supposedly that once you split one atom, other atoms in the sphere, in the atmosphere, had potential to also start splitting. That is a wild concept. And we split that atom first off. We did the atom bomb. We did that. Now, bringing it to what we're talking about here, he he talked about how like Oppenheimer in one scene was looking off into this small body of water and watching rain fall on it and how the rain would fall and each drop would create these ripples. And it's the same concept. It's echoes of the original split or of the original drop. And it's weird as I was saying this now, Split, that song Split for us created a lot. Mm. Split for us really started the band in a lot of ways. That's what turned me on to you. That's what turned everybody on to us. Before that, we were just known for our teenage band that we had. Mm-hmm. by the few people who were there, which was a great experience. But when we put out Split, it created ripples. And I think that by having these conversations, you're absolutely right. And by releasing the music that is truly honest and truly fucking real and organic in this landscape that we're in now, it does create ripples. Speaking of that, um, can we stop fucking blowing each other up please as far as like uh war can we cut it the fuck out yeah we should stop we should stop doing war war is so dumb it's like yo how about we just don't listen to these fucking cucks that are like quote unquote in control of the masses and like convincing armies to like go to war with each other. Like we could just say no. We like don't have to like kill each other anymore. We have the fucking internet. We can communicate now. And like <clears throat> if you have a fucking problem with a fucking imaginary border drawn in the sand, like grow the fuck up. Go to fucking therapy. Get over yourself. Eat some fucking mushrooms and have a fucking ego death. How about that? Just get the fuck over it and let's all work together to get rid of the few that are causing these horrible, horrible travesties that we call war. Fuck those people, dude. Those are the only people that deserve to fucking die. They're just people that fucking support war. It's fucking bullshit, dude. I'm I'm tired of living in fucking fear that I'm going to, like, get fucking nuked. It's fucking bullshit, dude. I fucking hate it. What, also, like, just speaking to, like, America, like... Where did, like, the the peace party go? Like, didn't didn't Democrats used to be, like, for peace... Like, Republicans were the pieces of shit that, like, wanted to go to war and Democrats, like, didn't want to go to war. What happened to that? 
Now they just both want to go to war and it's just with different fucking people because they have different fucking special interests and it's fucking all bullshit, dude. Can everybody just calm the fuck down? Like smoke a fucking joint and like fuck a sex doll or something. I don't know. Get your fucking aggression out some other way. This is fucking bullshit. I'm tired of living in this fucking fear. I'm tired of fucking turning on Instagram and seeing fucking people getting fucking blown up. It's bullshit, dude. I fucking hate it. And we are the fucking people. And we can fucking tell these masters no. That they can go fuck themselves. Most of the people in the world are good people. Most of us do not want to go to war with anyone. Stop letting your fucking quote unquote leaders convince you to go to war. Protest. Protest war. That was really well said. Protest war. Yeah, like, stop fucking... Can we stop with the fucking, like, choosing sides? Like, there's no correct side in Israel and, and Palestine right now. Just stop fucking blowing each other up. I mean, I'm sure there was an aggressor or whatever, but, like, that fucking area has been fucked for my whole life. Like, it's like, stop. Just stop. Can we just fucking stop with this bullshit, dude? It's yeah. so fucking stupid. Can we just have a fucking conversation about it? Can we stop pretending that there's a fucking holy land? The holy land is the fucking earth. We're all on it right now. It's one place. It's not some imaginary fucking country. And like Jesus was brown, not white. So like what the fuck? Religion is fucking stupid, bro. Just be nice. Just fucking be a good person. So fucking frustrating, dude. Countries are just lines drawn in the sand with a stick. From the great Ender Shikari. Yeah, dude. Um, I'm glad that you I'm glad that you brought that up. Because that is the macro of this micro resistance that we're talking about in music and art and fighting our own battles in our daily life. The macro is that we are in a world of war. And as much as people have wanted to, in America especially, pretend like we're not after World War II or after Vietnam or after the Gulf War or after the war in Iraq, which wasn't even much of a war. It was more of an occupation now there's these other conflicts going on. It's never stopped. It's never stopped. I don't... It's... It's such a despicable fucking waste of human potential and of the resources on this planet. Nothing lasts forever. If we are of the earth and our lifespans end, the, life's, the lifespan of the earth will also end. And here we are, the leading species on the planet, fucking wasting it. Absolutely fucking wasting it. You know, when I think of um, the lifetime of the human race as a thing, as the leading 
um, species on the planet, I feel like we are teenagers. I feel like we are angsty fucking teenagers who think we know everything. And when someone tries to tell us otherwise, we fucking yell at them and say, you don't care about me. It should be about me. That's fucking angsty teen bullshit. And I know because I was there. And I'm sure we all were there. But as a species, as a human race, we need to grow the fuck up. Because we're cutting ourselves right now. Earth is fucking emo. Earth is fucking cutting itself. And, you know, we put out Set Fire the other day and I made that video about self-immolation. Earth is self-immolating itself. It is lighting itself on fucking fire and has been. I'm talking macro. So the past hundreds of years, just raping and pillaging people of other kinds, even though we're the same fucking human race, just because they live in a fucking different border or their God is named something different. Mm -hmm. It's fucking bullshit. It's fucking bullshit. Everyone has these desires that they want certain things. Failing to recognize the beauty and the fact that we all do have a purpose and we all can coexist. We can all coexist. Yeah. I, I have hope that the human race will grow up and become a mature species. Same. But it also could kill itself and we're a part of it. And so we as individuals have to do all the things that we can do in our daily life and the things that we project into the public on social media, whatever we can to promote this growing up of society and to stop feeding into the stuff that has held us captive this whole time. We don't need to feed into algorithms. We don't need to feed in to greed or to violence. We just don't. Yeah. It's a quick way to, to win for a day. But we all share the same fate and death. Bringing it back to memento mortem. Yeah, memento mori. Mori. We're all gonna fucking die. We should try to do cool shit while we're here, not fucking kill each other. You don't need to kill anyone for them to die. They're gonna fucking die. Don't worry jerk off all things pass and all things will pass even things you strongly disagree with will pass mm -hmm. nothing lasts forever including the empire that rules today mm. empires fall yeah remember when trump got elected and everybody thought the fucking world was gonna end and then they elected a fucking demented like fucking 85 year old fucking racist creep yeah that sniffs kids hairs how many times and like wrote the fucking the crime bill of a uh, just in our lifetimes in just in our lifetimes how many times have we thought the world was going to end dude you and me were born in 95 time. right all the y2k fucking time. we thought the world was going to end the mind calendar we thought the world was going to end yeah um 2020 yeah, we thought the world was going to end yeah guys the world isn't going to fucking end yeah the world isn't going to fucking end yeah, have no fear for atomic energy because none of them can stop the time. Bob Marley. You know what? I think we should end on that. Yeah. I don't really have anything else to say. Same.
Maddie, I love you. This has been great. I love you too. I'm going to smoke a fucking cigarette. Right. <laughs> Sounds good. Peace out. Mwah. <laughs>